Okay, so um, I am, I don't know, I guess I'll just start out by saying, hi, I'm Sierra. Uh, you probably already knew that, but um, so dad has asked me to share about my weekend. Um, so if you don't know, I go to Campbellsville University. I'm a psychology major, but I'm a worship arts minor. Um, and so I'm in this awesome class called Worship Ensemble. Um, and it's basically like our university's worship band. And um, so this past weekend, um, what, this weekend, um, we had the awesome opportunity to go play at Zion Baptist Church. Um, there's this youth event that they had called D-Now. Um, it's for middle school and high school. They have like a service project, um, Bible groups. They stay in like host houses there. Um, just a whole bunch of kids, this really big church. Everybody was so nice. And dad just kind of wanted me to talk about it a little bit. Um, so basically, we left Friday night and went, and we played a set. We had two songs prepared. We sang like five or six. I don't know. We, we got there. We said, all right, what songs are we doing? And let's just run through them and hope it goes well. And that's basically how the entire weekend went. And it was phenomenal. We came out on the stage, and we said, hey, guys, please stand and worship with us. And the kids just swarmed the stage, like all around the front. Um, just came to worship, and they were excited. They were making up dance moves to all of the songs we were singing. Um, so you can probably tell I'm in a really good mood this morning. I'm, like, really excited, and that's why. <laughs> but um, it was just, it was super awesome. It was a weekend full of worship. Um, my voice is, I've, I've been eating cough drops like candy. Um, we saying a lot um, and it was just an awesome time with our worship team to get to serve another church and meet like so many kids from different parts of Kentucky or just wherever um, and just get to sit with them and talk to them about Jesus and just to get to share that love and um, not only did we serve them like they served us too like it was insane just like looking out and seeing them all like jumping and screaming like I grave like wow it was just it was so good and it was so full of worship um there were several salvations I'm not exactly sure how many um but we were actually sitting and eating dinner last night and um talking and some like there was a woman who came in off the street and just walked in the church didn't know anything about it she said I just want to be saved and so we had the um the pastor there for the weekend um, he talked to her, and she got saved, and there was a bunch of kids that got saved and found Jesus, and I have never seen a group of kids, y'all, so excited about Jesus. It was so crazy. I could go on and on about it. I'm running off of, like, three hours of sleep. We didn't get home until, like, 2.30 last night, um, but it was just so worship-packed, and so um, Hopefully, maybe in the future, when we get some more youth, get some more members up here, we can have little youth events like that. We're going to hopefully have some worship nights here soon. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you guys. It's super exciting. Um, even if it, you know, our church wasn't directly connected, it was still the spirit. It was still God moving. And that's still something to celebrate. So... I asked Sierra to, to share that um, because it, it's, 
it, it helps us to see that in, in the midst of where we've been, right, it, it's been a crazy couple of years, and in the midst of where we've been, here's this, this youth event where she said there was like 100 kids, I think, that came to this thing. I mean, I asked her, I said, how did that feel to sing? And, and, and maybe at some point we'll have to post some of the video up to the Bethlehem page because you all haven't seen Sierra worship like she worshiped there. She was jumping up and down, and it was crazy. Um, so it, it was just, it was an amazing time that she had, and I want you guys to, to experience that with her because the Holy Spirit is alive and well. Amen? He is alive and well. He is moving. He has never stopped. And, uh, you know, so it, it's just amazing what, what we can do when we just surrender everything over to the Lord. And, um, and I'll tell you what, Gerardo, if you don't mind, bring that one main switch down just a little bit because I feel like I'm about to get blown out of the water. And um, if today goes anyway, like what God has sort of given me in my head, then you guys are going to need me to be turned down. Um, Turn with me to, in your Bibles, there's going to be a couple of places. You're going to see them marked there on your bulletin. There's three different places that I'm going to be taking you guys today. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3, Titus chapter 3, and then also Psalm 107. If you all want to kind of find those areas um, in your Bibles and go ahead and sort of maybe put a finger there or take your bulletin and, I don't know, tear a little edge off or something and just kind of mark those those areas, but First Peter chapter 3, Titus chapter 3, and then Psalm chapter 107. Uh, today, we are preparing for next week. So we are veering away from our study in the book of John that we've been in, and we're going to be preparing. Part of, of what we're supposed to be doing as a church, part of what I'm supposed to be doing as your pastor, is to prepare you to go out. And, and to do that, we have to talk about some things. We have to talk about what it means to share the gospel. We have to talk about and be comfortable with even our own stories. And so, um, and I'll, it'll be up there in a few minutes, I'm sure, but the, the title today is, is This Is My Story. This is my story. We all have one. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have a story. You do. And, and, and here's the thing, and I don't know, maybe some of you remember my testimony. I'm not going to go through that today, but um, many of you have, have heard my testimony, or at least parts of it. And this little paper that uh, I had stuck in your bulletin, that's what this thing says. This is my story. And the bottom line is, is, is as I, wrote, I wrote this little note on here so that we can all see and have, have an understanding that every story it says on here is unique, amazing, and special. I went through a lot of years where I wasn't comfortable, one, with sharing my story, and it was just because I was, I was on a journey. Uh, God was bringing me to the place that, obviously, you know, part of that journey is where I am now, but, but I didn't realize just how unique and special my story was. I didn't understand how unique it was that, that the pastor of this church prayed with my wife before I was saved. And then ultimately, not only would I be, be confessing and professing faith in Jesus Christ, but ultimately would one day become a minister of the gospel, come and serve alongside the, the, the minister who prayed with my wife, ultimately to then become the lead pastor of that particular church. God doesn't just work in, in simplified ways. He works in amazing ways. And this is, my story is amazing, special, unique, all of those things. And guess what? Your story 
is amazing and it's special and it's unique. And guess what? It's important because you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that is your story. No one can take that from you. It doesn't matter if you say, well, I got saved when I was eight years old. I've always gone to church and, and, and I, you know, one day I just felt like the Holy Spirit touched me and, and then I went up and I got saved. Guess what? That is an amazing story. You know why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit came down and touched you personally and said, hey, you, I want you. I know you. I desire you. And because of that, it's special. Every single story is unique and special. So as you look at this little paper, and you can look at that either while I'm preaching and, and you, you know, whatever, but you can read this, and I hope that, one, it's an encouragement to you. Because for so long, I felt like my story was just, eh. And it turns out, my story is amazing. I just didn't know it. And it was partly because I didn't know how amazing Jesus was. And as I learned who Jesus was, and I learned how amazing he was, I realized even more so what he did for me. And all I'm doing is trying to bring that to you to help you realize what he's done for you as well. On the back of that paper is a few little lines there. One of them says, my life before I met Jesus. One of them says, how I met Jesus. One of them says, the difference Jesus has made in my life. Those are all questions to help you write your story. It's not so that you can compare it to the person sitting next to you. It's not so that you can try to determine whose story is the greatest or the most amazing it's so that you can understand what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life. So that when someone asks you, you can say, let me tell you about this amazing thing that Jesus did for me. And by writing it down, it helps you to come to terms with what the Lord Jesus has done for you. By writing it down, it helps you to, to comprise your thoughts so that you can articulate those to someone else. When they say, hey, you know, Clayton, what is your story? What, 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 does, what does that look like? You can say, well, you know, it's funny you should ask. I just wrote it down the other day. Let me summarize it for you. And so this gives you, this is a tool to help you, especially as we go out next week. Because I'm here to tell you that even if you think you're the person who's not going to go knock on the door, even if you think you're the person who's not going to be praying with someone, even if you think I'm just going to be quiet and silent and just be like, you know, hidden amongst whoever I'm around, you may be given an opportunity to share your story. And I would encourage you to do that. And so, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you that, that that little sheet of paper, that's homework for you. Go home and fill the back of that out. Write down the answers to those questions. Think about who you were before Jesus. Think about, think about who you are once you met Jesus, and think about what he has done for you in your life. Write it down and see what it does. See, just see what pours out of you as you begin to do that. Again, every story is unique. And you'll see that on, the, on that paper that says, this is my story, down at the bottom of it, it says, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. What, what does that mean? What, I mean, 
it, it seems like it's pretty plain, doesn't it? It says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Recognize who He is. Hold Him in high reverence. But then it says, always being prepared, doesn't it? Always being prepared. Being prepared means reading God's Word. It means being in communication with the Lord, praying to Him, talking to Him, having a relationship with Him. If I don't have a relationship with you, I can't tell someone else about you. Can I? If I don't know you, all I can say is, well, there's this, that person over there, and they seem like they're pretty cool. That's about all I got, though. Or I've heard horrible, terrible things about them, right? Like, all I get is sort of what's on the face. Reading the book by its cover sort of idea and mentality. But if I know you personally, then I can speak about you personally, can I? I can share about you personally. And if you and I have a personal relationship, I can even maybe explain some things that you and I have done. Maybe how you've helped me, and I can express just how amazing you've been in my life. Sounds a little bit like what we should be doing with Jesus, doesn't it? Because he's given us more than anyone could ever give. Anything more than you, many of you in this room who have helped me personally, Many of you in this room that I am extremely close to, like family. But I'll never know you the same way that I know Jesus or the way that Jesus knows me. That's just the truth. No one will love you like Jesus. And you should love no one else like you love Jesus. That should be your first and foremost love ever. So always being prepared to make this defense to anybody who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, you should be able to just readily come out and say, well, let me tell you about my Jesus, just like the song we sang. That's the reason why I was, let's see here, I brought this song up. I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I didn't even think about that song as we were preparing for, for today, and I thought, you know, the amazing thing about that song is most of the time people use that my Jesus term in a completely different context, don't they? Don't they usually say, well, my Jesus wouldn't do this. Well, my Jesus wouldn't allow for the war that's happening in Ukraine to go on. Well, my Jesus wouldn't allow for aborted babies to happen. Well, my Jesus wouldn't want me to get connected and use drugs. My Jesus wouldn't want anything terrible to happen because he just skips through fields of flowers. He's amazing. That's who people say my Jesus is. Well, guess what? My Jesus says you must profess faith in me, believing in my death, and believing in my birth, my death, and my resurrection, or you will not be saved. Does that sound like the my Jesus people like to proclaim these days? People love to have their ears tickled. They just want to know about this, about this a little amazing Jesus that just does all these amazing, wonderful things, and he just loves and he loves. But guess what? Jesus says, you need to follow me. Because he talked to this rich young ruler one time who said, I've obeyed all the commandments. Of course, he was lying because he hadn't. But he said, I've obeyed all the commandments ever since I was little. And Jesus said, that's amazing. He said, well, then what must I do so that I can, I can, I can be with you forever? And he said, Jesus said, then go and sell everything you have. Sell all of it. And then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler was like, you're nuts. I'm not doing that. And he walked away sad because he didn't want to give up his earthly possessions to follow Jesus Christ. Because we like to hold other things in higher regard than we do Jesus, don't we? You see, 
Jesus should be the most important person in our lives. Jesus, it's all about him. And, and for us to, to not understand who Jesus is or to connect him to things that are just simply not true doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you, and it doesn't help the people you talk with. It doesn't help the people you share with. Because my Jesus suffered. My Jesus died in my place. My Jesus forgave me of my sin when I didn't deserve it, when I deserved hell. My Jesus died for me. That doesn't sound like this Jesus that doesn't want anything terrible or bad to happen because, in my opinion, the other people's Jesus, he would have took himself off of that cross. We don't want anything bad or terrible to happen. You know, I'm just going to change the hearts and the minds of the Roman people. We don't have to have all this negativity, do we? My Jesus unselfishly stayed on that cross. He stayed on that cross. He suffered. He died. He bled out. He poured out every bit of blood that he had so that I could be saved. So that I could have eternal life. So what little is it to ask of me to be prepared to share about who he is and what he has done for me? Doesn't it seem like such a small thing to ask? to be prepared to make a defense for somebody that says, hey, why do you re- have, a, have a hope? Why do, you, why do you reason that way? And you say, let me tell you about my Jesus. But you do it in the right way. And you say, let me tell you about my Jesus who, who died and suffered on that cross for me, who gave up everything, who left his throne on high so that he could come and he could be here and so that he could teach, so that he could give, so that he could serve. He said, I didn't come here to... To, to help the, the ones who were well. He said, I came for the sick and for the lost. When people looked upon him and judged him, and they spit on him, and they called him names and everything, he said, it's okay that they hate me. And he turned the other cheek, didn't he? So it says that as we prepare, let us do it with gentleness and respect. Understanding that not everybody is in the same place. Not everybody is going to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not everybody you speak to is going to welcome you with open arms. So the truth is, is we may go out next week, we may knock on doors, and we may have somebody that when they answer the door and you say, hi, I'm with Bethlehem Baptist Church, they go, I'm pagan. Right off the bat, you might have people who would just simply say, you woke my child up and now I'm angry at you and slam the door in your face. It's okay apologize, step back, and walk away. But leave the packet we're going to have on their doorstep. See, we can love people no matter where they are. We can respect people no matter what they do or believe. It's not that difficult. We don't have to agree in order to get along, do we? What we have to do is to show the love of Christ Jesus. We have to to read and know the truth of what it says in the gospel, and we have to present it and then accept whatever returns, don't we? We speak the words of truth, and we rely on God to do what needs to be done from there. Flip over to Titus chapter 3. In Titus chapter 3, It says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, 
led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. People, that's some good news, isn't it? That is some good news. Who were we before Jesus? He tells us exactly who we were before Jesus. He says, we ourselves were foolish and disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That is what's going on today, people. Church, that is happening all around the globe today, and especially right here in the good old United States of America, isn't it? I read this, and I was just like, I know this, is, this existed back when the disciples were, were doing their thing, back when Jesus was around. Like, I get it, all this. But here we are, some 2,000 years later, and it's still happening. Have we learned nothing? Have we learned nothing? It describes all those things. The first one really sums it up, just foolishness. We're fools. But then we start to get this idea of what happens now when we meet Jesus, don't we? It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, that's Jesus, by the way, in case you were wondering, when he appeared, he did what? He saved us. He saved us. He says, not by the works done by us in righteousness. Do you know why? Because we don't have any. We don't have any good in us, do we? We are sinners by nature, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? We are sinners. We do not deserve anything other than a sinner's death. When it comes right down to it, that is what we deserve. However, it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of, of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of our works done in righteousness. It says, but according to his own mercy, his own mercy that we receive anew every single day, praise God. Because without his mercy anew, we would be in trouble. We would be in trouble. It says, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, he who poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus did the work. He's always done the work. Without him, it doesn't matter what we do. It takes Jesus. And then it's this idea of, and now what? Now what? Verse 7. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's only by Jesus that we can have a hope. It's only by him that we can have a hope. So when we were reading in 1 Peter, remember it said, like, like be prepared so that when somebody asks you, what is this hope? Hope is Jesus. Scripture points us to all of these ideas. Scripture leads us to all of this. We can't deny it. Jesus has done everything 
required. Matthew chapter 10, and this are, these are Jesus' words. If you were to, you don't have to flip there, but if you want to, you can. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. It's pretty plain, isn't it? I'll read it for you one more time. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Does it say, those who don't acknowledge me will be acknowledged by me before my Father in heaven? It doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't mention that at all. It says, those who acknowledge me, I will acknowledge. Guess what? Those that don't, he's going to look at them. He's going to say what? never knew you how can you expect to have a relationship with somebody you don't know how can you expect that person to stand up for you or to share anything about you that is good you can't we're to love one another that's true we are supposed to love one another jesus christ loves us he desires us and it's the reason he says things like this so that everybody who acknowledges me before men i also will acknowledge and this one, this one here grabbed me. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Again, you don't have to flip there, but I'm going to read this to you. It says, As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now, understand that in the context, we're really kind of talking to, to pastors those who've been called into ministry. But guess what? If you've accepted Christ Jesus in your heart today, you know what you're to do? You're to go and make disciples of the nations. You've been called to minister to people. If you've accepted Christ Jesus in your life, you have accepted the task of sharing the gospel with people, of helping to make disciples. And so you can take a verse like this, and, and while it's kind of, well, necessarily it's, it's pointed towards like pastors, but you can say, look, we're all called to this idea of ministering to one another. We should be able to do the work of an evangelist if someone approaches us and talks to us and says, hey, what is this hope you know? You should be able to say, let me share with you about my Jesus, the one who did these things for me, the one whom without I would die and suffer a sinner's death. You should be able to proclaim those things. And part of being able to proclaim those things is one, practicing it, Two, being encouraged to do so. And three, being discipled to learn how. And that's what we're doing today. That's the reason I gave you the little paper. I've actually got some other papers, and I'll, I'll try and grab those as soon as church is over. But it's, it's got lots of questions on there that most unbelievers will ask. And I'll, I'll grind down and grab some copies of those after um, we get those stapled. There's, there's several pages, and we've made several copies of those. But we'll make those available to you guys. But understand that we are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are. All of us are. If you've accepted Jesus, you are called. You are. You may not know it. You may not want to know it. But believe it. Believe it. That song, the last song that we, that we just sang, Again, none of this stuff was planned. That's why I messaged Sierra yesterday. I said, you realize 
like what's happening here? It's like, I don't think you do. We sang this song called My Testimony, and, and one of the lines in there, it said what? It said, if I'm not dead, you're not done. Does that make sense to you? If I'm not dead, you're not done. That's what it said. As long as you have breath in your lungs, the Lord's got something for you to do. He has a purpose for each and every single one of us. Do you believe that? Raise your hand if you believe God has a purpose for every living, professing Christian in the world. He has a plan for you. Gordo, if you would put up that first one for me. Actually, skip that one. <laughs> skip to, the, uh, to the, the second phase of that. I think I skipped right over all those for you. There you go. So I'm going to ask you, church, are you dead? And this is going to be a response question. Are you dead? Are any of you in this church dead? That means God has a purpose for you, doesn't it? We just talked about that. If you're not dead, that means God has something for you. What's the next one there, Gerardo? Is the Lord still working? She said, heck yeah! You know why? Because she just got done telling you about a testimony where this lady who wasn't even connected to the D-Now event came in off the street and said, I want to be saved. You know what that was? That was the Holy Spirit working on somebody's heart and saying, there's a whole group of Christians over there that need to be encouraged. And they don't even know you're coming. He's at work. He is alive and he is well. So is the Holy Spirit working, church? Is he? I sounded kind of unsure. I don't know. Heck yeah! Have you been redeemed by the blood of Jesus? Raise your hand. Do you know what special thing that is? That means that you have a unique, special, amazing story. It's not one that you should keep to yourself. You should be excited about sharing it. I'm excited about sharing it. You want me to share some of my excitement with you? I'll do it. I've got plenty. Carve some right out. Hand it to you. Get you pumped up. All of a sudden, you're going to be like Greg Knapper, like on steroids, you know? It's like crazy. I want you to be excited. Jesus has done something amazing for you. You have life because he died. That's amazing. What's the next one, Gerardo? Is this church dead? You know what I've heard in the past? I got angry. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I've heard this in the past about this church. I heard this church was dead. This church is dead. This church is dead. I heard it. I can't tell you how many times I heard it. And you know what I finally said? I don't want to ever hear it come out of your mouth again, is what I told the person. Because if you're saying that this church is dead, then you're saying the Holy Spirit is dead because he is everywhere that I go, and he is with me today. That means that he is alive and he is well. And if you believe this church is dead, then you've got a problem. Do you understand that this church is not dead? This church has been around for 200 and some odd years. I can't remember exactly how many, but I've only been here like lead pastor almost six months of those. We've got a long way to go, people, and if you believe this church is dead, then come have a conversation with me, and I will point you to some truths, because he is not dead. God is not dead. This church is not dead. This church is alive, and it is well. Is there another one up there, Gerardo? Is the Holy Spirit alive? 
<laughs> We've got another heck yeah up front, you all. Listen, this church is alive. This church is alive. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is alive. Are you allowing Him to work in you and through you? Are you allowing Him to move? Or are you keeping Him tied up in this tiny little box? And just saying, no, I'll take care of this. Or are you going to set the Holy Spirit free and say, yes, move in my life. Let me see what you have for me. The Holy Spirit is alive. Is there another one, Gerardo? I can't remember. He says, no, there's not another one. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you believe that the Holy Spirit is alive, stand up right now on your two feet. He's alive. And the question is, is do you feel the Holy Spirit today? The question becomes, have you been moved by the Holy Spirit today? The question becomes, are you trusting in the Holy Spirit to move today, to do what needs to be done, the work that is to be done? Because remember, at the very beginning of this thing, it said it wasn't by the works that any of us did. It wasn't by any of these works that the, that the Lord Jesus Christ did anything. It was only by Him. He did all the work. What did we have to do? We just had to believe, didn't we? We had to believe and we had to confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and it says that we will be saved. Church, do you believe that you will be saved? Amen. I have been, she said. Don't go another day where you say to someone, have you been saved? And you go, oh, I hope so. If you are hoping that you've been saved, then guess what? Come talk to me. Because I want you to know that you belong to Jesus Christ if you're professing faith in him. And no one can ever steal you from his hand. You belong to him. You're an adopted child of God at that point. Don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. Stand firm in the faith. Sierra, if y'all will go ahead and come up. Stand firm in the faith, understanding that, that, that the Holy Spirit is here and he is moving. They're going to sing and and, and during this song, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is moving, if you feel like He is moving at all, and here's the thing, like, if, if, you, if you feel like, hey, I need to be saved, raise your hand, I'll come to you if you can't come up. If you don't feel like, I just can't do that, raise your hand, I'll come to you. I'm not scared. I'll walk all over this church. I've been in the attic. I don't care, I'll go anywhere for you. I'll do whatever it takes so that anybody in this church can come to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. I will pray with you. I will stand with you. I will do whatever. Don't walk out today if you don't know. And here's the other thing. If you feel like, you know what? My life's been in trouble here lately. My life has been in a place where I'm just like, oh man, I don't know if I'm in a, in a good relationship. I think I'm struggling. I think I'm going through a hardship. I think right now maybe I'm not as close to the Lord as I'm supposed to be. Guess what? Come up and share that with the Lord. If you need to, I'll come to you and pray with you on that too. It doesn't matter what it is or how it is. Don't leave here today unless you know that you're in a good, right standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the important thing because as we go and we share the gospel with people, we want them to see the light of Christ inside of us. But if we've got something holding us back, it's going to be difficult for us to do that. It's going to make it difficult. Remove the struggles. Remove anything that is between you and the Lord today. So that when we go out next week, we can go out with the light blazing that can be seen from any hill. Any hill. 
They're going to sing today. You all respond as you see fit.
Father God, we just come before you with thankful hearts for a thankful message that you just, you worked and spoke through, Greg. You just feel your spirit. I mean, Lord God, I'm shaking at your presence. Father God, let us be a light unto all that we meet this week and next Sunday. Prepare our hearts to share your love, to share your truth with all who we come in contact with. Lord God, let us not leave here today without confessing our sins and our burdens to you, that we will just hug one another and be there for one another, to encourage one another. Let us share our burdens with one another because we are your body. We are the church that you have given us when you shed your blood on the cross. Father God, thank you for your spirit here. Thank you for your son and his death and his resurrection, that he defeated sin, he defeated death, so that we may have life in you. Father God, work through us and work in us and allow our hearts and minds to be open to your love and grace today. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.